Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And I have plenty of wonderful merch in my store, and the link is in my show notes. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Canada's Great War. This episode is shorter than usual, and there will be another one like that this season because these battles aren't often talked about, but I think it's important to highlight them. This battle I'm covering is often ignored, as it's in the shadow of Vimy Ridge, and really it was a relatively short battle, but it still had many casualties and deserves to be covered. After the Battle of Vimy Ridge, the work of the Canadians was not complete. Canadians began to push forward, taking out various outposts and advancing over the course of two weeks until mid-April. At that point, they met a large amount of German resistance. Hoping to blast through this offensive, General Haig ordered a four-battalion attack by the Canadians on the Arlo Loop at arlo en gohel Haig said, With a view to economizing my troops, my objectives were shallow and for like reason, and also in order to give the appearance of an attack on a more imposing scale, demonstrations were continued southwards. The British continued to have trouble advancing the line, and the Arlo Loop proved to be one of the most difficult parts of the line to crack through. The Arlu Loop was part of a system of German defences that encompassed the village of Arlu. The system was fortified with concrete, belts of wire, and a large amount of machine guns. Needless to say, it was no easy task to break through this fortification and take the village. The battalions assigned to take part in the attack were the Western Cavalry, the Winnipeg Rifles, the Canadians, and the Nova Scotia Rifles. They were also known as the 5th, 8th, 10th, and 25th Battalions. Supply problems were hampering various battalions, but the Canadians were not going to allow that to be a problem. The 8th Battalion hauled 40,000 rounds of ammunition itself to the front lines. Prior to the attack, Canadian ground patrols were sent in to scout out the village, and the number 16 squadron of the Royal Air Force did air patrols. With the knowledge they had regarding the defences in the village, the Canadians began to launch artillery barrages at the village along the German front, Believing the Germans would launch quick counterattacks, the 1st Canadian Brigade was placed in reserve to act as reinforcements if needed. Advancing at 4.25am on April 28th, the Canadians began to push towards the village along a 2,600-yard line. The 8th Battalion was on the right, the 10th in the centre, and the 5th on the left. An unnamed Nova Scotia officer who was wounded in the battle wrote home stating, The sky was all lighted up by the bursting shells. With the first gun, away we went. We lost a few on the road, but we got to the section we had to take. As they reached the village, they were met with hand-to-hand fighting. The 8th Battalion attacked Arlu over a low rise and were hit by a heavy automatic fire from the town and from the woods to the south. The German counterattack resulted in the death of all of the officers of the battalion, who were held up by barbed wire. The two flank companies in the battalion achieved their objective on schedule, while the centre company was able to clear the village and establish a strong point on the right flank. 
The 10th Battalion advanced through the northern outskirts of the village, but were halted for a short time by German machine gun fire. After the delay, they were able to clear the Germans from the village and reach their objective on schedule. This allowed the battalion to establish the defense's position in the forest beyond the town. The 5th Battalion faced a great deal of resistance, but they were able to link with the other battalions to clear out their area of the village. The 25th Battalion was stationed with the 2nd Division and only advanced 300 yards from the start line and took cover in a sunken road. That unnamed Nova Scotia officer wrote in his letter, After taking the position, we had to dig in and hold it. This was difficult at first, as there was temporary retirement on our right, though the ground was regained afterwards. Of the men at the battalion, I cannot speak highly enough. I wonder how many Victoria Crosses were earned that day. The Germans began to see that the village was lost, and they ended all counterattacks on April 29th. The village had been taken in only an hour and a half, with the 2nd Canadian Brigade achieving all of its objectives. In the afternoon, reinforcements arrived to help resist any counterattacks that may have come, but the artillery helped prevent that from happening. General Arthur Curry stated of his troops, They knew how to use the bomb, the rifle grenade, and the machine gun, but best of all, they knew the most effective combination of these weapons. They had trained for this particular job, they had rehearsed the attack many times, and each and every man knew just exactly where he was going to attack and what he was going to do when he got there. That Nova Scotia officer wrote in his letter, Some of our men got hung up on the wire entanglement and wounded there, and there are many splendid examples of heroism shown in rescuing them and bringing them into a place of safety. It is something to be proud of to serve in a battalion composed of such men. A British historian would say that the Canadian assault on the Arlu Loop was the only tangible success of the whole operation. Back in Canada, newspapers painted the battle as a massive success while vilifying the Germans. The Saskatoon Daily Star wrote, A group of the enemy threw down their arms and threw up their hands when the first wave of our assaulting troops came along. Afterwards, the enemy party picked up their rifles and began shooting our men in the back. According to the story, a Canadian soldier saw the action and shot ten of the men and bayoneted two others. The newspaper continued, Sharing the honour for cool bravery with this avenger of treachery is a soldier who had been crippled by having to wear boots that do not fit him. The Calgary Albertan reported, in a brilliant assault, the Canadians took the village. German counterattacks failed to move them, and in hand-to-hand -hand fighting, the attacking forces were driven back. Fierce encounters in which the bayonet and rifle butt were used frequently marked the fighting on the front. The Winnipeg Tribune wrote, The capture of Arlu has added to the feeling of confidence on the part of our troops that, with artillery support such as they have had in recent actions, they are better fighting men than Fritz, and can move him on steadily. Over the course of the two-day battle, the Canadians suffered 1,255 casualties, but they consolidated their positions that would allow for the next objective, the village of Frenois. One soldier killed was Archie Brown of Coronation, Alberta. He had joined the 89th Battalion when war broke out. He had worked for the Bank of Montreal during his time in the community. Franklin Collins served in the battle. Born in Miami, Manitoba, he joined the Army in June 1915 and was posted with the Winnipeg Rifles. During that battle, he was severely injured, losing his leg and, in his words, being shot full of holes. In 1958, he'd be appointed to the Supreme Court of British Columbia, and over 100 soldiers of the 10th Battalion have no known grave. Private George Washington Hill enlisted with the Canadian Expeditionary Force in 1915. He was killed, and his grave is now lost. 
Another person who did not have a grave was Sergeant James Alexander Milne. He was reported missing and presumed dead on April 28, 1917. He had been born in 1883 in Scotland and immigrated to Canada sometime between 1905 and 1911. Unmarried, he worked as a laborer in Calgary before he enlisted to fight in the war on January 27, 1915 with the Canadian Infantry Battalion. Eventually promoted to Lance Corporal on June 12, 1916, he survived the heavy fighting of the Somme and, due to his leadership qualities, was promoted to Corporal on February 14, 1917. He fought at Vimy Ridge and was promoted to Sergeant on April 24, 1917. Four days later, he was killed. On May 5, 2013, 96 years after his death, an archaeological team uncovered human remains while conducting excavation for the building of a housing estate. Artifacts recovered suggested the remains belonged to a Canadian soldier at the 10th Infantry Battalion. An identification disc was found and, using that along with historical, genealogical and archaeological analysis, it was determined that the remains were that of Sergeant Milne. And on August 25, 2017, he was buried at the Orchard Dump Cemetery by members of the Canadian Highlanders. I hope you enjoyed that episode and our look at the Battle of Arlou. Next week, we're looking at the Indigenous soldiers who fought for Canada. Information from Vimy Foundation, Canadian Soldiers, Long Long Trail, Veterans Affairs, Wikipedia, In the Beginning, Google Arts and Culture, Vancouver Sun, Saskatoon Daily Star, Calgary Alburn, The Winnipeg Tribune, and The Evening Mail. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many you can sink your teeth into. We also love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those links in the show notes.